Welcome to the Church of England's online service. This Sunday, the Church of England's online service comes from Crofton Parish, which is in Portsmouth Diocese on the south coast of England. I'm Richard England, the vicar of Crofton Parish. I'm Dan Greenfield, associate vicar. And I'm Beth Yendall, I'm the curate here. And we're standing outside Holyrood Church, which is the parish church of Crofton Parish. Today is Christ the King, which is the last Sunday in the church year before Advent begins next week. Christ the King is an opportunity for us to think about what it means that Jesus is King and what difference that makes in our lives. In a moment, we'll begin as we should in worship of Christ our King. But before we do that, we've got a challenge for you. Yes, we do. Crofton Parish has a mascot, Crofton Cat, who helps us with our work with children and families. Crofton Cat is going to be popping up three times during this online service. Why don't you see if you can spot him? While you're looking out for Crofton Cat, we're going to begin in worship. With God, nothing will be impossible. For he is our God. And the God of salvation is making all things new. Amen.
this is Emily. Em, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us who you are? Okay, um, I'm Emily and um, I'm married to my husband, Sai, and we've got three children. I work in the intensive care unit in um, Queen Alexandra Hospital in Portsmouth and out on the wards as an outreach nurse as well. Excellent. Now, the subject, the theme for our service today mm-hmm. is, is Christ the King. So... Can I just ask you, what what does that idea that Christ is king, what does that mean to you? What does it look like in your life? I think when somebody says um, Christ the king, I think about God's kingdom within me and being under God's government, I guess. Yeah. Uh, But that's a government that you, and a rulership that you can trust, that is wise, um, that cares about me, but also about um, the vulnerable in our society. And it gives me a sense of security. Um, it it gives me a sense of purpose, I guess, being under um, everything that God says and not only having Christ as, as king and kind of leadership of my life, but also the fact that I'm a child of God. So I know him as... Um, my lord and my saviour um and somebody that's in charge but also as my dad and also as my friend and somebody that loves me and cares deeply for who i am and how does that impact your work uh, the people that you deal with at work i think it's about doing i feel like i'm there to serve him um and seeing each person as god sees them um it's easy when when work's easy and colleagues are easy and patients are easy but actually when it's really hard I find it really helpful to see or to try and see them as like actually they are a child of God as well and he loves them and I am looking after them because Jesus said when you see somebody who is hungry feed them when that you know and it's about actually seeing Jesus in those people and it doesn't matter how other people see me, but actually how God sees me is the most important thing and trying to show people that love. Doesn't, you know, some days are harder than others. Uh, you, but... you work in a very difficult <laughs> environment and that's amazing. Thank that's, you so much, that's Emily. Okay. Thank, that's you. Right. Thank you. So, Alex, share a little bit about who you are and also what does Christ being king mean to you in your life and your work? Okay, so I'm Alex. I am a a father of three beautiful young children um, of four, three and two. Um, So that's uh, quite a busy household. Um, I'm married to Helen and we've been married for about five and a half years. And and we live in Porchester. I work at Bayhouse School as a deputy head of year nine and uh, I also teach RE and Marina Maritime Studies and what does Christ is King and what, what does that mean to me well I feel like Jesus as King was like a, a person who showed love and kindness and compassion he was merciful I think they're things that I try and do in my own life as well. So I guess at home, um, I would, we, we adopted our children, you know, that's, that's not something that we, we hide. It's not something that we don't tell anyone. It's, it's something we're quite open and honest about and, and we'll talk to anyone about. And, and I guess the, the fact that we did that 
adopted those three very young children at the time shows that we are trying to emulate Christ, the leader, I guess you could say in, in a worldly sense, a, a king is a leader, Christ is a leader to us and we're trying to emulate that love and kindness and compassion um, in our home life. Um, at work, it's kind of a similar thing as well. I, I work with, with young children, although secondary aged kids. Um, in, in our year group, we have over 340 children in, enrolled in, in year nine. Um, and although it sounds quite a, quite a large number, I, I do try and do the same thing. I try and, and, try and use um, Jesus as, as my leader there as well. And, and, and I try and show that love and that kindness and that compassion to, to all of those children. Um, I guess on a wider scale, in my teaching at school as well, I've got probably around about 140, 150 kids who I work with on a weekly basis. And, and again, I try and show that there in, in those classroom settings. I guess in a wider sense as well, we've got over 2,100 kids enrolled at Bay House. Yeah. Like trying to, to show that network of, of individuals that, that love, kindness and compassion as well. I get a lot of people at school actually say to me like, why are you so happy? Why are you so like nice all the time? And I think deep down, that's my reason is because Christ as King, as our leader, as, as my leader, if you like, that's, that's me trying to show that yeah. across quite a, a, a large number of people. Yeah. Same as home, same as work. Yeah. Wow. And, and do people ever ask you about your faith? They, they say, a bit more than that. Yeah, fortunately enough, I, I teach RE, so yeah. um, I get that question quite a lot. And I don't actually share it as as openly and honestly, maybe, as some people would. I guess in a school environment, maybe you have to be a little bit careful sometimes. But I get asked that question pretty much every single lesson. Wow. What do you believe in? What, what's, wow. what's, your, what's your faith? What's your belief? Do you believe in God? Um, and I say, well, you know, that's an interesting question. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> and I kind of put it back on them. But, um, but I, do, I do share, like I was saying just now, I do share that, that love, kindness and compassion, but I may not maybe share it in such an open way and say, well, this is what I believe and this is why I, I do what I do. Um, I just show it in more of a, a second person, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No worries, no worries at all, thank you. Jesus says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. So let us turn away from sin and turn to Christ, confessing our sins in penitence and faith. The kingdom is yours, but we turn away from your just rule. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. The power is yours, but we trust in our own power and strength. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. The glory is yours, but we fall short of the glory of God. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
may the God of love and power forgive you and free you from your sins, heal and strengthen you by his spirit and raise you to new life in Christ our Lord. Amen. And the collect for today. Eternal Father, whose Son, Jesus Christ, ascended to the throne of heaven, that he might rule over all things as Lord and King. Keep the church in the unity of the Spirit and in the bond of peace. And bring the whole created order to worship at his feet, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Today's reading is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was ill and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was ill and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, 
Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or ill or in prison and do not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment for the righteous to eternal life. Bishop Tom Wright describes the story of the gospel, the account of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus as when God became king. And that might be a strange way to describe it. After all, hasn't God always been king? If he's the creator of everything, surely that makes him the king of everything. What is it about the story at the heart of the Christian faith that could be described in some way as a kind of coronation? We've had a coronation in the UK this year. It's been a long time since the last one and hopefully it'll be a long time before the next one. But perhaps this year we have the opportunity to find a unique window into what we mean when we say Jesus is king, what his kingdom is like and how we might understand the story of the gospel as when God became king. Our gospel reading from Matthew 25 offers us a couple of insights into what we mean when we say Jesus is king and what his kingdom is like. Firstly, we see that whereas God once expressed his kingship through a single nation, Israel, now that kingdom is extended and open wide to all nations. We read that all the nations will be gathered before him. Perhaps we miss what a big deal that would have been for Jesus' listeners. Whereas God once related to the whole world through a single nation, now he has thrown open the doors of his kingdom wide and invites all peoples, all nations into his kingdom through the King Jesus to reorder their lives around the kingdom principles of love, compassion, mercy and justice. So Jesus' parable is more outward looking and inclusive than we might realise. There is nowhere in the world where God is not engaged, interested and at work. There is no one in the world that need be excluded from his kingdom on the basis of their background or their nationality. Secondly, we see that this kingdom does not operate on the basis of political ideology or of power but reflects Jesus its king in being established on righteousness, love and justice. Allegiance to this king is not measured by nationality, but by mercy, not merely by belief, but by action. Not on being able to claim some kind of insider status, but by the concrete ways we reflect the character of the king, who is the embodiment of love, justice and compassion. Mother Teresa famously used this passage to describe her vision of the Christian message as the five-fingered gospel. Retelling the story often with a child or with an infant in her arms, she would ask the question back to Jesus, Lord, Lord, when did we see you that we acted in such a way? And Jesus replied that any time you did this for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. This is the character of the kingdom of God. We sometimes speak of the upside down kingdom because we recognise that the values of the kingdom often exist in stark contrast to the way that we organise our earthly kingdoms. But in truth, it's us 
who are upside down. It's not God's kingdom. God's kingdom is right side up because it reflects the character of its king, who is compassion and grace. But we know as people, we lean towards the bad as much as the good. We find sacrificial love and generosity beyond us quite a lot of the time. As much as we want to respond to God's call, we find the fallenness of our human nature pulling us back. The consequences of human sinfulness are most clearly expressed at the cross. When humanity rejected the king and his kingdom, we preferred our paths of power and control to his way of love and peace. Yet the wonderful mystery at the heart of Jesus' death is that at the cross, Christ is crowned. The crucifixion was a coronation where the Son of God was glorified. Archbishop Justin expressed it perfectly at the coronation of His Majesty King Charles. When speaking of Jesus, he said, His throne was a cross. His crown was made of thorns. His regalia were the wounds that pierced his body. At the cross, we see Jesus' kingship most clearly. Because at the cross, Jesus embodied the sacrificial, self-giving love that is the hallmark of his kingship and his kingdom. The judgment we see in Matthew 25 is based on whether love of God and love of neighbour, the characteristics of the kingdom of God which led the king to the cross, are present in our lives too. This is what Bishop Tom meant. At the cross, we see the King crowned in glory. And from the cross, he invites all nations into his kingdom. So on this Christ the King Sunday, we remember that Jesus acted in mercy towards us. He did it for us, that we might receive his forgiveness and participate in his kingdom life of love and compassion. We do it for us others, only to discover at the end that all along, everything we did that reflects his care and compassion, his self-giving sacrificial love, he says, you did it to me. Without
Let us pray for our world in all its beauty and all its brokenness. Father, we lift to you today those places in the world where there is conflict, where countries, families and livelihoods are torn apart by war. We lift to you the people of Ukraine and Russia and those in Sudan where conflict has once again dominated the year. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Dear Lord, we lift to you those people living with the aftermath of natural disasters. We think of those affected by the earthquake in the Atlas Mountains in the Morocco back in September, where thousands were killed and many more left homeless in an area where poor infrastructure made the damage worse and the relief effort more difficult. We think too of those in Libya after the floods there a couple of months ago, still impacted by a shortage of clean water causing disease. And Father, we forget so fast. These stories dominate our news feeds for such a short time, get lost from our screens long before the situation improves for those on the ground. Will you help us to remember to hold these places in our hearts and in our prayers. We pray too for those countries where there simply isn't enough food to go round, when we know how much waste there is every year in wealthier countries. Father, none of us on our own can solve the problems of the world, but will you help each one of us to do our bit? Will you give us your heart for your world? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now, as we turn our thoughts and our prayers closer to home, we pray for our own country, for the political chaos of the last few years. Father, we pray that rather than just dwelling on blame and recriminations, we will all come together to find a better way forward. Will you put the right people in places where they can influence those decisions that affect every single one of us? And we pray for grace and peace and goodwill. We pray too for everyone who is struggling with the cost of living at this time. We lift to you all those affected by strikes and workplace difficulties. We pray for swift and fair resolutions for all and for all of those who are now involved in negotiating new deals. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Father, we pray for our own communities, particularly remembering those who we know who are recently bereaved and those who are sick and those caring for them. Will you bring your healing and comfort, we pray. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now let's say together the prayer that Jesus himself taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.
Thank you for joining us with our online service this morning. How many times did you spot Crofton Cat today? We hope you've enjoyed being with us in Crofton Parish for today's online service. Let's finish with a prayer and a blessing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his son, Jesus Christ, and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you all evermore. Amen. King of kings, majesty, God of heaven living in me, gentle Savior, closest friend.